Hi, and welcome to M4 Edge, the podcast about startups with technology that can change how the economy functions. In this episode, we return to Ricky Butch and his startup, Electricity. If you've been a regular M4 Edge listener, you'll recognize Ricky from our Ricky's Reports from the Edge series. As of today, we are rebranding that series to Ricky's Startup Reality. The change is thanks to our good friend, Peter Crystalite, who suggested that people should probably be a bit more clued in by the title as to what this series is all about. In each episode of what was Ricky's Reports and what is now and going forward Ricky's Startup Reality, we get an inside view, a behind-the-scenes view of what it's really like to start a company, what the reality of going through the process is. This episode is a perfect one for a name change because Ricky tells us about some exciting developments driven by some unusual macroeconomic conditions. Enjoy the show, and as always, thanks for being curious. Welcome to Ricky's Startup Reality. If you've been a fan of Ricky's reports, you are now officially a fan of Ricky's Startup Reality. We are rebranding. So, hey, Marco, and hey, Ricky. Hi, Michael. Hey, Michael. Hey, Marco. And we should probably point out that we'll probably find out in this episode whether the title is new and the problems and the struggles and the challenges and the satisfactions are still the same or whether the change in title for the program also signals a major change in what's going on with Ricky. Ricky, what's going on with you? What's, what's your new reality? <laughs> it, it is both the same and it is also different. Uh, so as you all may remember, there were two general ideas I was pursuing in parallel. One, which I have called Lotricity, around this uh, turnkey distributed energy provider um, that was going to provide solar energy storage, uh, backup generation um, to behind the meter applications that would help with reliability and affordability. And uh, one of the early applications I was looking at was agriculture. And I think I mentioned in a prior episode that I've had some challenge trying to break into the agriculture space. Mm-hmm. And I think there remains a lot of opportunity and I, I continue to keep my eyes open, but I've pivoted a little bit. And I believe in the last episode that uh, we talked about Michael and Marco, um, focusing on the community resiliency aspect of this. Um, And particularly here in California, that has taken on a little bit of a a more urgent meaning. Uh, PG&E very recently um, has announced uh, as part of their wildfire prevention program, a a, uh, uh, a shutoff of power to certain parts of the grid in Northern California. For for those who uh, don't live in the states or don't follow this kind of news, PG&E is Pacific Gas and Electric, which is one of the major utilities in California. And and that shut off this this past week. We're uh, recording this October 11th. Was scheduled to affect about 600,000 customers. It was pretty remarkable. Right, right, and uh, it was all the way from uh, the southern tip of the Bay Area up through near Shasta County and and some of the areas that had been affected by by previous wildfires, and. 
I, I got a kick out of this a little bit. PG&E put together some uh, community centers uh, in some of the affected areas, and those were powered by diesel generators that they brought in um, to allow people to charge their phones and uh, you know provide some. And inhale the diesel just for kicks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Enrique, I read in the Wall Street Journal that apparently reports also indicate that shops are selling out of oil lamps. So this is progress. This is progress. <laughs> this is progress. That, that, would, that would explain all the whale kills I've been reading about. <laughs> <laughs> it just, to me, it's just, uh, it's just, an, it's oxymoronic that, uh, that we are in, in the capital of Silicon Valley and uh, yet we are having to buy oil lamps and solar lanterns. And so I think there remains a, a strong case to be, to be made for, for building distributed generation in community centers that can serve as as congregation points for these neighborhoods uh, in events like this, and so I've I've started using this as a to be rather opportunistic and, and reach out to uh, particularly uh, public institutions um, to frame this as a, a benefit to the community as as well as you know just a potential way to offset some of their operating costs. Other nice thing is that the state of California has incentives. Um, to to shift some of the public institutions to renewable energy. And so, uh, for example, in the case of energy storage, um, they're offering incentives up to $500 a kilowatt hour. And so that can cover a considerable amount of the CapEx. Um, so that paired with this, this uh, you know, recent top of mind event, I think hopefully will generate some interest. Sorry, did you, did you say 500 per kilowatt or kilowatt? Uh, kilowatt hour. Kilowatt hour, okay. Kilowatt hour. So what what is that? How does that translate into the into the capex of a of a system? Is it kilowatt hour actually generated and you and you get it back over time, or is it the the potential kilowatt hours of you know based on some capacity factor? Or? It, it, yes, it is. It is uh, based on some some capacity value of that energy storage system, and it is a upfront subsidy that the state provides. Got it. Interesting. And so my hope is that 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 will be an area where, where I will start seeing some traction. That being said. Um, I happened to come across a, a project in Texas um, through a friend of mine um, after I was sharing this idea around a, a distributed energy provider. Uh, and in Texas, the, the market conditions are obviously a little bit different. Um, but there in particular, we are, are facing um, a couple different uh, factors that have come together. One, gas is quite cheap um, in Texas. And two, um, given some of the changes in the marketplace, uh, there are cases where the prices have gone up to $9,000 a megawatt hour, which is ERCOT's upper limit. Uh, and what they call 4CP pricing, which is basically critical peak pricing, has gone up about 9% a year. And so a lot of large commercial customers are seeing their energy prices go up year over year, uh, even though uh, in general wholesale market prices have been quite low in Texas. Um, you just happen to have these periods of very high demand, um, where prices skyrocket, and it so happens that uh, customers will pay an additional fee based on their peak usage, which happens to align with system peak. They end up footing quite a large bill. And so in particular, there's a, there is a, a midstream gas company that I've now been speaking with um, that is looking at behind-the-meter generation, um, in this case, gas generation, but they're also open to renewables. Um, to provide local power to a compressor station. And in general, the compressor station uh, uses a, roughly about $180,000 a 
a month worth of electricity. Just so, so people who don't know what that is, a compressor station compresses gas so that it can be uh, piped in the pipeline, basically. Right, right. It comes from from upstream well locations, gets gets compressed and pushed down um, into this pipeline for for downstream customers and, to use. And it takes it takes quite a bit of power to compress the gas. It does. And right now, um, those are all grid-tied compressors. And so the power is coming from the main grid. And this is not something where they have a lot of flexibility. And so unfortunately, they, they find themselves facing this increasing cost burden. And electricity is probably one of their primary cost inputs into their operations. I mean, the irony here is, is sort of incredible, right? Because this is a, a gas company that is providing gas to be used for electricity generation, but their cost of creating, of using power to provide the gas for that electric generation is non-economic. And right. so they're trying to go off grid to provide grid power, basically. That, exactly. Yes. And so while it's not my primary target segment, I do think it would be an interesting way to potentially develop some of the software algorithms that would be required to manage these distributed assets. Mm. Um, and in particular, regardless of whether we're talking about behind the metered gas generation or some of these more renewable focused solutions for community resiliency, there needs to be some type of software system to manage those assets on an ongoing basis, as well as to connect with the larger grid. And so I think in front of me now is this potential new opportunity to try and use this project as a way to develop the software platform that can, I can then apply to some of these other applications around community resiliency. It's really interesting. I guess the two, two thoughts I have, um, well, one thought, I mean, one is this sort of irony of the gas compression, you know, looking for um, off-grid power. But the other piece is that when you're designing your algorithm here, you have to be careful, I would think, basically you'd be designing for an edge case of an edge case, right? So it's for this unusual use case at the compressor station, but also specifically for these $9,000 per megawatt hour critical peak pricing periods. So you're, the algorithm you design to trade off what you're using, the grid or the, or the off-grid or whatever, how, whatever the, the algorithm is designed to do would be specifically for that unusual case. Yes, would would be for that with that market condition, and and as you know, Michael, uh, the market in the U.S. We while we do have a, a federal energy regulatory commission, it is very much a state by state um, market environment, and so while one particular solution might work for Texas, those, those same algorithms will not work in California. Right. In fact, ERCOT um, and, is not for regulated. Right. <laughs> and and uh, in particular, this the 4CP pricing, which is a, a, critical, a critical cost driver to, to commercial customers in Texas, uh, does not exist in California. Right. And so an algorithm designed around that would not work here. So to your point, Michael, absolutely. It's something I have to be cautious of. Um, at the same time, this is a, uh, we're increasingly hearing about these gas midstream companies looking at behind the meter solutions to offset some of this uh, electricity operational cost. And so one of the, some of the feedback I had gotten when I was in this journey early on was to try and find a project where I could build in some additional margin to allow me to the software. And so I think this particular project where we're putting together the project proposal could be an opportunity to do that. Sounds great. So we're in the early stages of, 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 of putting the final touches on the pitch deck. Um, wow. We're hoping to have uh, some uh, customer meetings in the next uh, two weeks. 
um, to put the proposal together. And uh, obviously, it's it's one that will require. A, there are a lot of moving pieces, um, including uh, the large one being project financing. How we actually get this thing, get money flowing to buy the equipment to to make this happen. Um, but the nice thing is through this avenue of I've now met a few other folks who bring in different skill sets um, that can make this project happen. So someone who happens to have a lot of experience in midstream and uh, a former investment banker who's put these types of projects together. And, and so now we have effectively a, a, a team that has sort of informally come together um, around this opportunity. And, and this is one that could could quite possibly be replicated, um, not just, you know, across the, the various sites that this one particular company has, but also all other midstream companies that are facing this challenge. Um, and hopefully one that will potentially scale to other commercial customers in Texas. And considering how big of a market Texas is, um, this might have some legs. It's very exciting. And so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned these other, uh, the investment banker. How, how many other people are you drawing in? I mean, tell us a little bit about, since you're, you're at this point really a one-man operation, how are you, how are you managing this process as a, as a startup? Tell us about the reality. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, a lot of it is uh, just trying to to borrow people's time uh, and and have them weigh in on on the uh, the solution structure. Um, so right now we, we're a, if you if you can say a team, uh, we're a team of four. Um, someone who brings expertise in the Texas retail electricity markets. Uh, someone who has experience with gas midstream companies, and and the fourth gentleman I mentioned who is uh, a former investment banker. And so um, right now it is it is a WhatsApp team. Um, we are we are virtually managing this project as I um, under the electricity name pull together the proposal um, and uh, run the modeling and uh, ensure that the customer will you know not only save money but um, for us there would be a, a very attractive return um, particularly for the the financiers for this this type of project and so all that has been done um, over the last few weeks um, as I've had a chance to go deep in the into Texas regulatory, um, you know, nitty gritty details, as, as well as putting together my, my old spreadsheet models, dusting off the old pro formas to, to uh, see if they would work. And, uh, you know, as it stands right now, I think the, it, if my assumptions are, are right, um, the customer would say something like 50% on their electricity bill. Wow. Um, our return on equity would be something on the order of 30%. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, so all parties seem to win in this particular instance. That's 50% of their electricity bill in those critical peak pricing periods or actually over the course of... Uh, oh, yeah, when you uh, annualize it. Uh, so on an annual basis, their, their cost drops about by, about by half. Um, right. And that's over a, a 10 to 15-year period. So it's not an immediate savings um, you to amortize a little bit. But um, I think it's a, it's a pretty attractive value proposition. That's quite impressive. And Ricky, how have you gotten about connecting with... Uh, the rest of the WhatsApp team? Are these some people you knew before? How do you get together the relevant talent? Uh, it was me uh, trying to engage with my, my, my friend who happens to be an ex-GE colleague, actually, who now works in the Texas retail markets. Um, and he and I have been uh, brainstorming ideas. I've been sharing him, the, just as I'm sharing with you both, the, the day-to-day trials and tribulations. Um, so he was well aware of where things stood and what the... Uh, concept the solution was uh, and he actually was able to sort of connect the dots with some of the things that he was facing some of the projects that he was seeing and come across his desk and he thought that this could be a, a viable solution for some of the customers that he was speaking with and so he was able to make a bridge with um, uh, someone he knew in midstream 
and then that gentleman actually knew the the former investment banker, and so we sort of have this this linked list of of people who have come together uh, via WhatsApp. So, like I said, we're now now putting the proposals together, and and uh, the nice thing is, since we do bring different experience, we can reflect that in the deck, um, and say that we have you know everything from project development to to finance to to gas uh, midstream experience, and so that. Um, I think that hopefully will help. I would just make a very quick comment going back to what we were saying earlier, because in one of the first episodes with Ricky, we had the discussion of whether the solutions you're working on, Ricky, would apply more to emerging markets or to advanced economies. And uh, the, the thinking at the time was, uh, in theory, they were more appropriate for emerging markets, but uh, the opportunities were going to be more needed in advanced economies. And there you are. You're exactly right. Well, well, ERCOT is the Wild West as far as uh, <laughs> energy people are concerned. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Marco. The only, the only thing I would add to that, too, is just, you know, among the many realities as I was going through this process, I think there remains skepticism from investors on putting money behind projects or solutions that are geared towards emerging markets when they come from a, a developed market perspective. And so the feedback was always prove that it works here, and then we can talk about scaling it to to other countries. Um, and I think we just happen to be at this particular inflection point in the energy industry where a lot of the solutions that we were thinking were applicable to emerging markets are suddenly applicable here. And so that immediately provides the, a great fertile testing ground. Um, for these types of technologies before we scale them back out. In other words, the fact that California is becoming an emerging market is a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So thanks, Ricky. And uh, we look forward to hearing how, how this goes and, uh, and also hearing about the, the California piece as well. So good luck. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ricky. Take care. Hope you enjoyed Ricky's Startup Reality. Please, as always, write us a review on Apple Podcasts, share the episode, share the show with friends on social media, help spread the word about Ricky's startup reality and M4Edge. Thanks.